Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. Welcome to Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today's topic is automating the warehouse with my friend Gary Allen. How's it going, Gary? Going great, Joe. Glad to be here. Gary, so please introduce yourself and your company. Yeah. And I would normally ask where you're calling from today, but you are calling from Manifest because that's where we're both at. What an event. It's a great event. Yeah. So a little bit of background. My name's Gary Allen. My title at Ryder is Vice President of Supply Chain Excellence, which really includes kind of solution design, engineering, automation, analytics. And so my team supports the supply chain side of Ryder, and at Ryder, we're both into logistics, warehouse, and transportation, as well as the fleet management side of the business. I've been with Ryder for about nine years, but not new to the industry, Joe. I've been doing this for about 30 years. Prior to Ryder, I worked at uh, DHL for a while. I led product development. Yeah, I know, DHL. I led product development and innovation there. Before that, Ernst & Young, I led the consulting practice that was focused on logistics. And then before that was uh, FedEx, but actually before that was Ryder. And my first account, my first job was at Ford Motor. So I kind of cut my teeth in the automotive industry, the transportation industry. I call it the biggest, baddest yeah. supply chain on earth is yeah. automotive. So I'm you come you. from there. I know. If, if you can work in automotive and you can figure it out, I think you can work no, in any of it. Well, it's like, no, they're still figuring it out, but it's kind of rough. And that was, that started in like 1989, 1990. So, you know, working at a Ford plant was was not the easiest job. And then we were just talking before we hit record. You live in Michigan. In Michigan. And yep. we live about, I don't know, 10 minutes, I know. 10 minutes yeah, yeah. away from yeah, each other. Yeah, we're neighbors. But yeah. we had to come down to... Uh, yeah, we had to come out to, to Vegas, Vegas to, to figure it out. I don't know. Now but, um, we can get together in Michigan. I should so. mention, we are both at Manifest. And before we get into the topic today, yeah. what, what impressed you about Manifest? I mean, I'm, I'm kind of overwhelmed still. Yeah. But, well, what's impressed you the most about Manifest? Yeah, I mean, I think the amount of suppliers and the people that are attending. I mean, this is our first year sponsoring as well. But I think just the, the type of people, the type of suppliers, the technology that's here, the atmosphere, the setup is good too. I mean, you got a combination of kind of the, you know, the booths, the exhibitions, but also the sessions, the format, you know, the networking. I just think the whole setup is really good. I've loved it. And I love that, um, well, companies like yours, I got the tour yesterday of your booth. Yep. They spent some time and effort. And the, I mean, uh, that yeah. these are, there's a lot of money spent and there's a lot of interesting exhibits. I mean, yep. it's not like, it's not like a card table with a, the yeah. tablecloth over it. This is very impressive what's going on. Yeah, I agree. There's and a lot of cool exhibits. So people people put out their best here. And I'll tell you, I'm also blown away. They kind of joke about it. Everything is last mile. There's a million last mile companies. But there's also, yeah. I was on a panel yesterday with Best Buy, mm-hmm. Alta, Million Dollar Baby, and Farmbox. These are impressive companies. And, yeah. and they got senior management here. Yeah. So, Every single one of the sessions that they've had, and they've seen some dozens, mm-hmm. top, top level. So yeah, if you want to learn what's going on, this is the place. To do. Yeah, it's a good mix of both shippers, customers, as well as suppliers, yes. right? That's a struggle with these, right? You get too heavy on the supplier side, less on the customer side. But this is a good combination. Yep. And you're right, I think the booths were really 
pretty uh, pretty interesting, especially the dog petting one. I don't know. Oh yeah, yeah. They got the, that's they the got first the I've seen like animals. They get put little. They got the puppy there. lounge. Here, yeah, so, I know. So I, know. I think Geodis sponsors the yep, puppy lounge. Yep. So you go yeah, that was, see all the puppies. That was a big attraction. Break. We're a little biased, ours, right? Because <laughs> yeah. we we had miniature golf. Because this year we just sponsored a professional golfer. His name is Sam Ryder. No relation. Right? No relation. Spelled the exact same way. Although you might want to take know? credit for saying, yeah, he's one of us. It's a great name. You know what <laughs> I mean? Somewhere in so, time you're related. I know. I know. So we're excited about Sam. Yeah. So you guys have the whole golf theme. We got the miniature <laughs> golf theme. It's three holes. It's actually really hard. It's really, really hard. I know. I've watched them set that up. I'll oh have to drive. Yeah, yeah, I'll yeah. have to drive for mm-hmm. you, though. But anyway, let's get into our topic. Okay? Yeah. So, so you've got this long background in, first off, in <laughs> supply chain, but also in all of these supply chain companies. Yeah. Why did you uh, join Ryder? You, you obviously had choices. I did. You know, that's a great question. One, I'm glad you asked me that question, too, because when I left Ernst & Young when I was consulting, I, I didn't, one, I wasn't really looking, but really Ryder attracted me because of the talent, the capabilities, and most importantly, the culture and the people. And for what we do in the 3 pale industry, it's all about the people. You know, we'll talk about automation. You only can automate so far, but at the end of the day, we're in an outsourced business, and it really comes down to the talent, the skills, and the culture of the company. So I joined, you know, nine years ago, and you know it's been a great ride. And we're doing a lot of great things too. You know, we're starting to, you know, invest in technology that we're building ourselves. We used to buy a lot of the technology. You know, we're investing in in new products around alternative vehicles, and you know, asset sharing, and e-commerce, and digital products. So you know, we're doing a lot of really cool things. And but for me, it was about the people on the. Yeah, by the way, just before we hit record, uh, Paul Gross from Remora was here. With oh, yeah. Them. yeah. And I know you guys are doing stuff with them. That's right. Yeah. And Remora's carbon capture, which I'm just, I want to have back in my pockets. I talked to them once before. Yeah. I love what they're doing. And they're also in Michigan. They are. Michigan they company. are. I know. All and, these um, Michigan companies. Yeah. You know, one thing about getting back to Ryder, being an automotive guy originally, you always, mm-hmm. Ryder seems to have a big, big chunk of the automotive business. And I've always said this is, you're an automotive, you're a huge company. You almost have no choice but to go with somebody who can kind of match capabilities because they expect a worldwide partner. They don't expect yeah. anybody who says, oh, well, will you pay us to open a warehouse there? Of course you want to get paid. Right. But it's not going to be, you never get to get nickel down because you need that partner who is. Oh, yeah. And that's, yeah. if you look at the people who are working in automotive, and I know you guys have a big uh, footprint there. Oh, yeah. There are no small players that, that do well. It's, you can't. You can't yeah. And I, I worked for a little logistics company. I remember the, uh, <laughs> the ownership said, why aren't we getting Ford business? I was like, why do you think? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm a little biased. I mean, you know, growing up in the automotive industry, but you're right. It's, it's about capabilities, but it's not only size. It's about making sure you invest in those customers for the long haul. Right. If I look at like our two big top automotive customers, it's General Motors and Toyota. And it's been decades, I think 30 plus years, right? And so we are so invested into the, you know, those customers to make things right, to invest in people, technology, software, you know, you know. I used to work for a small trucking company just for a short time. And they had one lane with uh, General Motors. Where'd you work? What, what company? Hollingsworth. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They sold their trucks now. Yeah. They're still a great company. Yeah. But he said, we have one lane with General Motors for 60 years that we've had. I know. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> You know, and you think of you think of the automotive company. I mean, they have started companies up, right? Especially on the trucking side. You know, you start with one truck, and now these these trucking companies have like 500 trucks that have built around the automotive business. But 
you know, we're a lot more than automotive. Automotive used to be like 50% yep. of our business, but right now it's probably Everybody about Everybody had to diversify out of them because they're we scary. We did. We did. <laughs> but we did do a lot of e-com. You know, retail wasn't big, healthcare. So we have been strategically investing or even acquiring in certain segments, Joe. So, so you guys do a lot of e-commerce now? We do. We acquired a company called See, Whiplash. I don't think people think about that. Well, I know. We're working on the branding and so forth because everybody thinks about Ryder as the trucking side of it. But no, we bought a, a company called Whiplash at the end of last year. And we have 22 fulfillment centers. So we manage Damn. basically all the technology, the order management, the warehouse management, the parcel, all the way delivery to the home. See, I don't think people recognize. They, they, we, I know. By the way, guys, I, I had, had uh, I think it was 3PL Central was on my podcast. They sell WMS. Yep. And I asked them, what percent of warehousing companies have one location? And he said, I think about 50%. So, which is fine. Nothing yep. against it. When you have to be same day next day, and you say, I have one location, and maybe it's in doesn't work. Indianapolis. No, it doesn't work. And I say, yeah. well, one day to 60% of yeah. the population. Yeah. That's... What about California? What about Oregon? <laughs> yeah, no, if you want to play an e-com, you need to have next day, and it's heading towards same day. We also bought a last mile company, too. Oh, would you buy? Yeah, we bought MXD. It used to be Excel Direct, part of Excel DHL. They sold it off and then went to private equity. We bought them two, about three years ago, maybe. So we deliver to homes. You know, we deliver big and bulky I refrigerators. People, I, mean, I know. I don't think people I know. think about that when they think I of Ryder. By the way, I, yeah. I think when I think of Ryder, I think they move freight for every automotive company that I've I ever know. worked with. <laughs> I, well, it's kind of our roots, right? But, you know, it, it's grown. I mean, just You're, think of us shows. That's not all of your business. No, no, not at all. I mean, it's really kind of a, a fraction of our business now, and we're, we're diversifying in all segments. And we're continually looking to build capabilities, you know, and, and, and add verticals and enhance our offering to our customer. But uh, no, it's a great company to work for, Joe. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. So today's topic is... Yeah. Automating the warehouse with my neighbor. Gary <laughs> I don't say it. that very often. I know, that's pretty cool. That's pretty um, cool. So, before we hit record, we were talking a little bit about warehousing. And warehousing has been around for a long time. It has. It's an industry as old as yeah. time almost. Yeah. And we've talked about automating warehouses for a long time, but we don't seem to automate warehouses. And yeah. now, all of a sudden, if you go to Manifest, you will see. A lot of companies talk uh, about automation yep. and I think there's a reason for that. All of a sudden it's happening. Why is, Yeah, why now? So you guys obviously why now? you guys we run, you guys we, do quite a bit of automation. So Yeah. Well first off talk about your automation, then talk about why you have it. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. And and we do. We run about four hundred warehouses, sixty million square feet on the roof. So we warehouses. Yeah. Well again, our e commerce is twenty two and then each industry vertical Where are those all located? All over the place. Everywhere. No, North America. North America. We're only Canada. a North American. Yeah, Canada, Mexico, U.S. So we do not operate globally right now. You know, we used to. Well, no, we used to, and actually we got out of it. It's just, it's hard to do business there. It's hard to make money. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then most of our customers tend to buy within the regions. I think as we start so, about talking about nearshoring, yeah. they ain't going away. No, especially <laughs> now lately, right? I mean, Mexico is huge for us, but... So yeah, let's talk about warehouse automation. You're right. You know, it's like why now? You know, automation has been around for a long time. I mean, we talked about the automotive industry. They kind of started automation. You think about the assembly line and production automation, but really a, a few key factors have really changed over the last five to ten years. 
number one is that the amount of technologies, the advancements in the technology, especially around camera technology, sensor technologies, the use of LIDAR and mapping, technologies have dramatically increased in capabilities, right? And the cost is <laughs> keeps coming down too. The cost, the cost is coming down. It's at a price point where it's affordable for the right application. So the technology advancements, the amount of companies out there, because it really wasn't that way about 10 years ago. I mean, uh, you know, Amazon bought Kiva, which is an autonomous mobile robot. And that was what, probably about 12 years ago. But before that, you didn't see robot, you know, robotic arms in, in a warehouse. What you typically saw was traditional conveyor sortation equipment, the big fixed infrastructure stuff. So I'd say number one, the technology, the advancements and capabilities, the amount of companies, the price points have come down where the business case, you can justify it now too. But then the labor costs have skyrocketed, yeah. right? So it's like right. labor's going, labor costs going up, availability of labor, you can't hire anybody right now. This is, so. you know, you operate in the, in, with your 400 warehouses. Yeah. You think about where they're at, Boston in the U.S., Canada, yeah. Mexico. These are relatively, well, the U.S. and Canada particularly, wealthy countries. Mm -hmm. There aren't a ton of people who are looking for yeah. looking for that kind of work. And I, I, we, I always say, is your kid, does your kid want to work in that? Do you, would you want to go? Oh, I know my two daughters would never no. want to work in a warehouse. <laughs> I, I got to tell you, I had my, one of my yeah. daughters work in yeah. a factory for six weeks. She hated it, Yeah, but she now you learn. understands what a factory yeah. is. Yeah, But yeah, it's hard to get labor into these, but I, I'm, I'm one of the youngest baby boomers. Mm -hmm. And I think we hit an inflection point where more baby boomers are retired than not, right? or retirement age. Right. I think a lot right. of us will stick around just because yeah. we're living longer. But there's like 400,000 fewer of the Gen X than there is baby boomers. I know. And so that means, so the way we work is going to change quite a bit. Your children and my children have mm -hmm. a very different philosophy about work. That's right. When you came into the workforce in the 80s and 90s, there was an expectation that you were competing with everyone. They were kind of like, oh, I want a nice life. I want, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want, I want to make sure I can get to yoga in time, whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah, where, that's funny. Where we were afraid to go home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, yeah. I will go home after the boss goes home. That's if he right. spends the night, yeah. I will spend the night. Yeah, and you'd work weekends, you'd work nights. Yep. It's just a it's a different time. So I think the availability of labor, not only is it changing you know, demographics and skills, it's a type of work too. You know, I mean, it's not, it's physical labor, right? There's value added, there's safety issues, you're bending, you're moving. You got to be able to drive a, a forklift if you're picking or put away. So it's not, it's hard work. It's, it's, it's hard work you I, know? Can you imagine, like, you have a choice. And he says, hey, you can come work at this warehouse. It's not automated. And yeah. so you're doing a lot of walking. And you're doing unnecessary walking. And the reason is right. you don't have good technology. So you're like, oh, I walk way down to the end. That should be closer, but it yeah. isn't. And then I got to lift heavy things off of shelves, awkward movements. And I'm spending my whole day doing that. And somebody says, hey, how would you like to drive food around DoorDash or work at Lyft? You're like, yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. So you're competing with businesses that are yeah. much more desirable. I can drive around and drink my soda and uh, listen to my music while delivering food. Yeah. Not well, you bring up the same a good point. Walking ten miles and lifting uh, boxes all day. It's also the flexibility of the work, right? And so the whole gig economy, kind of the Uber effect, the asset we gotta sharing. Make this better. We got to make it better. And so we're working on that. One of the solutions we're working on is how do we 
get into more flexible scheduling. So if somebody only wants to work three days a week, we can bring that workforce in because we don't do that today. But yeah, I, I think the advancements in the technology, you know, and they've gotten way more flexible too, Jim. Right? We'll talk about the different types. A lot of the autonomous mobile robots, these things you can bring them in a warehouse, you can bring them out, you can rent them. I don't have to buy them outright. You can rent them as a service. It's just, it's, yeah, it's then, just far more flexible. We can connect our technology. I, I have a lot of warehousing management people, yeah. and one of the things I just spoke to the soft young folks, mm-hmm. and they were talking about one of the things in the future is being able to quickly connect whatever warehouse management, whatever warehouse yeah. automation out, out there, because there's a new one every day, and yeah. if you have a WMS that's in the old kind, that's stuck, oh, you yeah, can't do yeah. it. No, not easily. So you need yeah. to be able to connect. You know, you, you bring up a great topic, too. It's not only advancements in the core autonomous and the robot. It's how do you integrate all this information, too. And, you know, it's not getting easier. It's getting more complicated because there's a lot of companies out there. And then how do you bring them all together? How do you orchestrate things? You know, how do you look at the right business logic and the business rules, whether it's in a WMS or outside of the WMS? So that is a critical piece is how do you integrate? How do you orchestrate? How do you plug all these bots and robotics, you know, you don't want to do that right in the WMS, but it's that connection layer. And so some of the integration and data analytics capabilities that we're building allow us to plug and play. And that's a really important, you know, aspect for customers that are considering automation is how do you keep it flexible and then how do you patch all this stuff together because it's not easy. So it's also interesting, these the warehousing. I, I, I had Bruce Welty on my podcast. Bruce is the founder of Quiet Logistics oh, yeah. that got bought yeah. by American Eagle. Right. And he tells the story, I think this is an interesting one, that Kiva was his robot. Oh, yeah. And by the way, yeah. that robot, he was using it in his um, locations, probably in Boston where they're based. And they were so high-tech that they were on 60 Minutes, where they were showing, this is the future of Warehouse, the long time ago, probably in the 80s and 90s. Right, right. And um, they got a call from Kiva saying, hey, can um, we have this company come out and look at the, at your, how you're using the robots? And he said, yeah, sure, come out. So they gave the grand tour to the company, and the company was Amazon. And then Amazon bought Kiva. <laughs> I know, they bought them, I know. And he said, you know, they're just we were buying everybody it. out. We were using yeah, it. And I know. Said, so I think yeah. they started a separate robotics company. Mm-hmm. And um, Bruce was on my podcast just before yeah. they sold to Quiet. He didn't break it. On, he didn't tell us that. But anyway, yeah, getting yeah. back to it. So when you automate these warehouses, it's a, in my mind, you're much better cost position, right? Your transaction cost, hopefully, Yeah, better. Yeah, I mean, the ultimate goal is, you know, automating. You're, you're trying to automate repetitive tasks. But ultimately, the goal is about productivity, efficiencies, <laughs> accuracy though too, right? Now you got machines that can do it, so inventory accuracy. But at the end of the day, it's about productivity and throughput. But it's a balance too, because everybody's kind of enamored. Hey, it's cool. We got a lot of really cool technology coming out. We see it here at Manifest. It's not just the physical automation though too, right? It's about process automation. It's about digitizing activity. It's about getting rid of paperwork you know, across, you know, the warehouse floor. So it, uh, it's more than just the robotics. Robotics complement, they'll automate repetitive yeah. tasks. Frankly, they'll do it better and more accurate than a human, but at times they're not as flexible. But when we think of automation, I, I really want to stress the point that it's not just the physical automation and the physical robotics. 
It's about accuracy of the data. Because if the data is bad and it's garbage, I don't, you know, you, I don't care what you're trying to automate. It's not going to work. But it's also about kind of the systemic process and the workflow too. And to us, that's kind of our secret sauce. We're never going to build robotics, not a writer. But what are we going to build? What are we going to own? We're going to own the integration. We're going to own the data. We're going to own that optimization that makes our workforce more productive. And it lets us bring anything into the warehouse. It's, so that's kind of what we're focused on. It's, it's very interesting. I've said this on my podcast a number of times. Logistics, when we say logistics, I think most people, the first thing they think about is over the road. Trucking. And, yeah. and warehousing and fulfillment is just as important. In the transportation world, we're always saying data, data, data. We can give you great data. Yeah. But warehouse management systems, like mm-hmm. the kind you guys use, mm-hmm. you can tell me how my inventory is. Inventory carrying costs are probably higher than your transportation costs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, from a customer perspective. And, yeah. and also, if you're the one saying, hey, you've got uh, 800 SKUs here, can we sit down and talk about maybe getting down to yeah. 650 because the last 150 are doing you no good and it's right. just getting dust. And you never had that from your warehouse. The warehouse was where you would go. There was mostly obsolete stuff in there. It was dusty. I always remember, I was not so long ago. That must have been an automotive aftermarket yeah. warehouse you were going through. But I remember somebody <laughs> saying, we have all this, this is all obsolete. But the problem yeah. is, the PNL manager said, yeah, well, I'm not the one making that loss. Yeah. It was it was old when I got it. Well, and they're measured differently, right? That, yeah, that's so not his, his, his bonus yeah. is hit by But anyway, yeah. getting back to it, today's modern warehouse is a different world. It is, it is now all of a sudden your data center, and you can be the guys who are coming back and saying, I know we're. I know you look at us as downstream of the action, but we're a valuable, valuable place for information on getting better yeah. in the business. Oh yeah, yeah. And I think you know, just through COVID pandemic and the stresses on the supply chain, I think people have now realized that. I don't think people really understood that 10, 20 years no, no. ago. You know what I mean? It was like you're right. Logistics was kind of trucking, but that's not that's not it, right? It's about it's about the flow of material through the entire supply chain and how do you optimize that, yeah. right? And that's really the key. And, you know, automation is only one element, right? And it's not limited to the warehouse. You know, you can automate trucks that get autonomous oh my God, vehicles everything, out there. Uh, we, we're manifest, we see everything. It's going to take a while. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're, we're partnering with autonomous, you know, providers on the trucking side of it, electric vehicles as well. You mentioned Remora. But to me, it's how you connect the dots. Right, it's how do you connect the inbound or outbound transportation to choke points? And a warehouse is a choke point. It's a staging. It's an inventory item in a building. But then, how do you make it better to make it more efficient throughput? But you know, but technology's got way better. I was um, I was a, a lean guy, so oh, yeah. I would go yeah. in automotive, and we would. I was doing it with Chrysler supply chain. So we'd go to the, their tier one companies, and we would we would look at order to cash. Yeah, and um, you get this big map on the wall, value stream mapping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I remember first thing first thing you do Starbucks. is you circle yeah. the warehouse in red, and then put an X <laughs> on it and say uh, we're closing that warehouse. Yeah. And the reason <clears throat> that thought process there it was because we carried inventory because we didn't understand what our needs were right so someone would say we have to because i don't know and a lot of those if you come yeah. from china it's six weeks away yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna store it that's right we can't do just in time from yeah. some factory in china so we needed warehouse but 
they started getting abused. We started putting too much in them. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't think we have warehouses today. Now you will these right in warehouses where there's a whole bunch of obsolete stuff being stored. Now we're much, uh, much not, No, not as much. I mean, you still have industries like aftermarket service parts. Well, you have to keep them because yeah. of warranty. But no, I think in, in total, the last 20, 30 years, we've all gotten better at managing warehouses. But, you know, yeah, it's only getting better. Yep. I mean, so I want to ask um, this. When we talk about some logistics, we talk about supply chain, I always think we have all these kind of, we talk about the automotive supply chain, but there's retail supply chain, CPG yeah. supply chain. Yeah. I feel like we're getting to the point where, like, warehousing and warehousing companies are getting really specialized. We say this is an e-commerce warehouse. We don't have a whole bunch of stuff going long-term storage. Right. And it feels like that's kind of where we're segmenting the market. I used to think a warehouse is a warehouse is a warehouse. No, it doesn't feel it's, that. You no, know, it's not. You know, you bring, and it links back to automation too, Joe, because that's a really good point you bring up because every industry vertical is not the same around the profile of what you carry in that warehouse right so if you look at retail e-commerce you're going to have a higher amount of SKUs your volumes are going to be higher your lines per day are going to be higher two out by five (laughs) yeah yeah but that 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 will dictate what automation you need or fits your profile and that's a really important point so you know what we tell our customers and partners you know before you just start exploring the landscape of automation out there understand the profile that you're managing because the technologies are completely different. So like an e-commerce solution, AMRs, goods to person, even getting into even ASRS is because you have the velocity, you're now picking eaches, you're picking cases. CPG, it's mostly pallet in, pallet out, right? right. So what type of technology do you need there? Well, that's autonomous forks that are going long distance. So you avoid travel time. Whereas in the retail and maybe tech and even healthcare, you got higher volume each pick where you're looking at the, the picking profile, right? So, you know, but but you're right. You know, every industry vertical has different requirements, different service level, different SKU and inventory profiles that will dictate what you need and in the way of way, technology. I say this all the time to anybody. We have a million freight brokers and you think yeah. we're going to start seeing we won't need as many freight brokers. We have 20,000 something. And I keep thinking, you know, if you have to make a career move, the career move should be picking a vertical and become an absolute, I 100% absolute expert. So say, yeah, I am uh, right now doing cold chain yeah. for automotive, cold chain for retailers. Go uh, work for a retail company, become yeah. a purchasing guy, become part of that supply chain, and get that. So you got to pick an industry because I always say that's what you should be doing anyway. I know. And so I, again, I see warehouses starting to segment where somebody's going to say, yeah, what. You know, and, and again, you guys say you have 160 the warehouses that are doing e-commerce. That's you guys get that. But yeah, you yeah. Also, yeah. You also work with manufacturers. You also work with yeah. So we you guys probably we have work with 400 warehouses. Yeah, yeah. We work with every single industry vertical. But you bring up a really good point. I've always looked at that aspect across my career because you got to specialize. Almost look at it as a matrix. Pick an industry because it's about what customers want and how they buy. I don't think they care what type of truck. I don't think they care about necessarily even the size of a warehouse, how we manage it. They do care about how we manage it. But in the end of the day, if you're not crafting the value prop around their unique requirements, speak their language. Right? We have we service hospitals, right? It's a completely different language. You would have never heard a hospital person say, I work in supply chain. I was in a I know. That was one of the panels yeah, yeah, yesterday that, and she said, yeah. 
I'm, I'm <laughs> supply chain. I think it was Cardinal yeah. Health. Mm-hmm. And I was like, by the way, I always remember, it's probably the 90s. Somebody called a recruiter and said, you're a supply chain guy. We need, just, we need you to come fix this and I can play the supply chain. I didn't even know what she was talking about. I was like, I know what supply is and what a chain is. <laughs> yeah. I did not put it together. I had to call my friend who was a recruiter. What the hell is supply chain? Yeah. But now everybody's looking at their business. Even if they don't move physical goods, they just mm-hmm. do move data. They're calling themselves supply chain. Yeah. yeah, like the hospital network, You know, their key requirement is making sure they have the right supplies in the right bin, on the right floor of the hospital, because it's about life and death. Yes. Right? So that changes our inventory well, policies. Also, you know, you like the, a, we all just experienced COVID. Yeah. Getting that vaccine. Yeah. Vac- vaccines and life-saving medicine is often perishable. Yeah. And it's, it's the compliance is crazy. Right. So we talked a little bit about warehouses. Warehouse, we talked about automating these warehouses. Yeah. Obviously, you guys are doing a lot of that. And if you come to Manifest, you can see that, but you'll have to wait till next year. Until next year, yeah. Unless you, can, unless you call Gary, he'll, he'll tour you through. Yeah, right? exactly. To tour you through is one of his warehouses. But talk about the results you guys are seeing. So I obviously, that is what yeah. we're looking for. You don't make any investment without planning some There has to be, there, there's got to be a nice return on it. You know our industry, right? It's There's got to be a positive return. But let, let me give you, Joe, a bit of the landscape around what we've been doing. And then maybe some examples around that. End of the day, it really comes down to the skill sets of the people on our team. And so probably about four or five years ago, we dedicated a group of people just to understanding the warehouse automation space. And that's all they do. And what they do is they look at what's coming in the future. So a lot of the new technology out here, it's R&D. You got to test stuff. I think we've looked at 250 new technologies over the last two years. I mean, it's out of control. 250, right? So people can get enamored. You probably didn't have 250 over 10 years. I know. No, I know. The last five years have been really, really crazy. So the key is understanding what's out there and then framing it into what technology is ready now that fits a profile that you can get a positive return in one, two to three years or less, but it's proven technology. You also need to test and pilot and and do R&D and work with these providers. So that's one key thing. The next is... Once you've understand the landscape, you identify the suppliers, it's understanding the modeling around the business case and the value problem. Because within Rider, I don't we don't we do not rely on our suppliers to do it. We do it. Right? Because everybody pitches this 50, 100 percent productivity improvement and it's a yeah, one year yeah. payback. And it, they're not sales, completely the sales wrong, but guy, it's, sales guys yeah, told so, me this would pay for itself in a week. Exactly. <laughs> so build out your own models, build out your own value prop, build out your own total cost this of ownership. It's part of evaluating two hundred and fifty different technologies. It is. But it's complex because there's so many new, you know, companies out there, right? And so and then you get into the deployment. You know, and, and then the ongoing. The other piece that people don't realize is you need to tap into that data and not necessarily just rely on all the, because if we have a solution, we might bring in four different providers. I don't want to rely on one supplier over the other to own and manage that data because to me it's about not only the, the machines doing the work, it's about measuring the insights, the data, the productivity, and then how do you blend that together as well. So we have a whole focus within this team. We call it kind of uptime engineering, but it's about making sure that whatever technology we're deploying, it could be an AMR, it could be autonomous forklift, it could be a, you know, an ASRS, that it hits our expectation in the way of productivity, throughput, uptime. 
And I don't want to have to rely on that data being embedded in one of those providers' technology. So we've lifted that up because at the end of the day, you might you but, might move technology to that. You also want to check yourself. If you say, yeah. hey, look, we made these investments based on this return. Yeah. Are we getting that return? That's exactly it. You have to. And in our business, we're a three to five year contractual business, right? So you got to balance. If I'm going to invest a lot of money, it's got to be a less than a three-year payback right. typically. So with that, what we've done, and, and there's plenty of examples, you, you see a lot of them here in Manifest, but we have about 20% of our warehouses have some form of automation, Joe. It could be it could be traditional conveyor sortation, it could be ASRSs, it could be you know autonomous forks, autonomous mobile robots. It even can be wearables like AR glasses. We use those at Verizon for value-added services. So a lot of people think about the robotics. It could be that augmentation stuff, right? right. Like we, we deploy IoT in every fork truck. We track every truck. Yeah, I right? think we're, so seeing, be a I similar. Think we're seeing people with like those back braces, but it's getting really advanced. The ergonomics stuff. Like, like yeah. half of robots at yeah. the point. <laughs> they are. It's a lift assist, the ergonomics stuff. But if yeah. it helps you walk around and make those moves, that's right. And I think there's less and less required. You don't that's necessarily right. need to be a, have a strong back anymore. But, that's right. So getting back to it, yeah. you guys have made these investments. Are you seeing the results? Are you uh, getting yeah. the payback? We are. Well, I mean, to me, the autonomous mobile robots are a very, very quick payback. If I look at the results, and predominantly we work with like Locus here, on the e-commerce side, you know, we're partnering with uh, Gray Orange, Six Rivers we're talking through. What's nice with that technology is the payback's typically less than two years. The productivity typically, like for our, our working with Locus, we, you know, manually you'd be at about 50 lines per hour, we're well over 100 per hour. But it also depends, like AMRs, you can do goods to person, you got cobots that can follow you, you got pick assist, so it all depends oh, on what walls. Yeah, you got the pick walls. I mean, it's uh, I will, for my engineers, they love it right now because it's like, oh my god, we got really cool technology out there now. But it's funny, there were so few engineers that would be in warehouse automation twenty years ago. It was a small yeah. field. You would end up somewhere else. You'd yeah, up yeah, like historically, yeah, and even even for me, I'm more of a logistics transportation guy versus I. But I never said this before on my podcast, but I think it's happening is. I've always said on my regarding transportation, especially the freight brokerage, we're getting to a place where we have haves and have nots. You can either make the technology investments that lower yeah. your cost of doing business, or you don't, and you can't. Mm -hmm. And at some point, the companies like Ryder that are able to make smart decisions over and over again and make those great smart investments over and over again are just going to be that much better. Yeah, you have to. I mean, it's kind of survival, you know? Well, but again, when you look at 50% of the warehouses, I, you know, I don't know this number. I wish someone would correct me because I have never looked it up myself. But if 50% of the warehousing, warehouse companies in the country have one location, they are not going to be able to make those big investments. And that's that's, right. that's why I say the haves and the have-nots. Yeah. Yeah, it comes down to you have to invest. You have to have size. You know, I, it, it, typically warehouses only have about 10% of automation or amount of warehouses out there that have automation is like 10% or less. People think about, you know, not everybody's an Amazon, right? Not everybody's a rider, right? But even the smaller warehouses, you can do some basic things, right, around wearables and smaller technology. So. And it's, it's certainly not a rider, but I get calls from small warehousing companies all the time to say, yeah. help us grow our business. And I said, what WMS do you use? And they say, as soon as we get customer, more customers, we'll, we'll buy WMS. And I was like, 
Sorry, you're putting the cart before the horse. Yeah. I, I don't know how you can ask somebody to come in your facility. I don't know how you run it. I don't know how you run it. You can't run it. Yeah, the interesting thing that's changing on the, the WMS side of it, too, that we're investing in, I kind of mentioned it, is, is it's the business logic, the optimization, is do you rely on a WMS to manage your business logic, like wave planning, how you send your picks out, or how you structure your work? Do you rely on some of these you know, automation companies, or do you have a layer in between that can orchestrate and manage it? And that's kind of the fun stuff that's going on right now. There's, you there's, know. there's layers now. I, I, just, yeah. I just did a podcast on distributed order management. Oh, yeah. Dan Gilmore from um, oh, yeah. Softion. Yeah, I know Dan. And I remember when we were doing it, I thought, only walks are going to want to hear this episode. And then I <laughs> checked yeah. That was a very popular episode. And I thought, well, okay, distributed order management is really omnichannel. Yeah, and, it, and, and I think it also, with e- e-commerce has really pushed yeah. that along. But right? I also think you know if uh, if I need to deliver that sweater mm-hmm. from Chicago and Chicago doesn't have it small today, the it's system automatically says, yeah. "How about St. Louis?" Oh, we got one there. Deliver from St. Louis. Yeah. And if you don't have that, you're either saying, "No, we don't have the, we can't provide that sweater," right. or or lose an order. Who's an order? Or well, there's a whole bunch of emails yeah. and phone calls. And yeah, it's, yeah, it's lost sales. No too. way to do business. So yeah. I want to wrap this bad boy up. Yeah, you got it, Joe. So, Gary, what's next for you? Mm-hmm. Answer in any order you want. What's next for you? Yeah. What's next for Ryder? Yeah. And then what's next for the industry as a whole as regards to what we mm-hmm. talked about today? Yeah, I, I think for me, I, I mean, I love what I'm doing. I have the best team in the world. So my focus is about, you know, keeping, retaining, hiring the best people because my team's way smarter than me. You know, I, they're all engineers. I got data scientists out there. So for me, it's about the talent and making sure that they enjoy their job and I provide them whatever I need. And I'm going to, I'm staying at Ryder until I retire. So I'm not going anywhere there. With Ryder, I mean, I think you probably heard of Karen Jones kind of presented with Remora. We are starting to invest in our own products and technologies. We're always going to partner with all the software providers out there. So within Ryder, we're going to continue to invest in digital products mostly around where we can drive incremental value, whether it's optimization, whether it's sharing assets, drivers, in a warehouse around data analytics. So we're gonna continue to invest in that. We're also gonna continue to invest in research and development, right? Because you gotta stay ahead of it. You think about 20 years ago, you would not hear that. Research and development. In the 3PL industry? No. It would never happen. I mean, mean, even now. I mean, the vast majority of warehouses. Well, like tech tech firms, but not in the 3PL. Most warehousing companies are using a WMS, and that's their tech. Yep. Yeah, so we're going to continue to invest in that. And then as far as the industry, I I mean, looking forward, I I think we got a a lot of really cool technologies. What I'd say there is everybody is enamored with blockchain. We struggle to see a business case or a use case there. We still look. I mean, we're not, like, throwing it away, but it's like, it almost feels like blockchain is a solution that's getting forced versus a, 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 solution, a problem statement a that says I have a need. A problem. Yeah, yeah. I do think AI is, is, is here and it's going to continue to advance, especially around the computer processing, the capabilities there. But what I'd say for, you know, the customers, shippers, other three PLs out there is don't lose sight into managing the data, driving insights. How do you blend it together? How do you make it a better user experience? Because at the end of the day, we're not going to get rid of all of our employees in the warehouse. It's not, it's not going to happen. It's about making their job easier, having them maybe shift their work towards more value-added and using technologies to drive it. Certain industries may get to more of you know a total blackout warehouse, but it, it, it's going to be 
few and far between. I have seen some interesting things with the warehousing or the discussions, but they're very specialized. That's one of the challenges. But I do really think we're going to start seeing that is a we're going to start seeing a segmented warehouse for sure. As soon as you start investing in e-commerce technology, you're not going to say, "Yeah, we put it all. We put." yeah, a whole bunch of stuff being stored here. Now it's just a different world. I'm with you. I see it segmented by industry, but the, the the important piece there is to understand the customer, the industry needs, right, and how they run their business. So. I still say that. I say this regarding anybody I talk to on transportation. If you're a freight broker, pick a niche. It's a lot more yeah. impressive when you make that phone call. Completely and say, agree. We specialize in cold chain yeah. retail, and we work with Costco and Target, Kroger. Okay, I might return that phone call. Right. I might answer that email if I'm a cold chain guy. Right. The we are everything to everyone. That model is it's, no dead. longer appropriate. I agree, Joe. So anyway, thank you so much, Gary. I really thank enjoyed you. meeting you and talking to you. And what I'll do is I'll put a link, a link to your LinkedIn profile, you a link it. to Ryder, and anything else the Ryder marketing okay. team gives me, I'll put that in the show notes. And Great. Really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you, Being Joe. one of my nice guinea pigs here uh, for actual. Oh, it worked out great. Interview. It was fun. Well, I enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Don't don't, don't say that yet because I don't know what this is going to sound. Oh uh, like. well, <laughs> nor do I. We'll, we'll find out, Joe. It's been uh, but, a pleasure, man. Yeah, thank you so much. Right. I thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversation with experts in the logistics field. For more details, visit thelogisticsoflogistics.com or follow Joe Lynch on LinkedIn.